Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is random local news. This is actually a story sent to us by listener Ben. Thank you so much for sending us a news story. Thanks, Ben. Uh, This is from NPR. The headline is, A New Zealand city is taking its official wizard off the payroll after over two decades. Oh. Yes. That's so sad. You hate to see a wizard out of work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, so... If you didn't hear about this, um, there's a city in New Zealand that has an official wizard. Or did. Or did. Well, he was being paid, but now he's just not on their payroll anymore. So I don't know if he's still... Oh. He still considers himself a wizard, I believe. <laughs> I guess that's not really a job you can quit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's up in the air. You're um, not a wizard anymore, Harry. So uh, this guy's name is Ian Brackenberry Chanel. And he's known as the Wizard of New Zealand. Apparently even on official documents like his passport. <laughs> That's incredible. Honestly, I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> Anything I say, it's, like just, how... it's just because I'm incredibly jealous. <laughs> how did he get that on his passport? I don't know. So he's been on the payroll of the City Council of Christchurch, New Zealand. That's the town. Since 1998, receiving an annual salary to... Quote, provide acts of wizardry and other wizard-like services as part of promotional work for the city, according to a New Zealand news site. Did they give examples? No. Like, what is that? (laughs) What could that possibly mean? (laughs) My thing is, like, maybe he just shows up to, like... It's kind of like a mascot situation. Yes, like, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like, he just shows up to events, and he's there, and he's, like, a kind of a local celebrity type person. Right. Still... I but, would love this. <laughs> it's just fun. Um, so yeah, so they ended his his time as the official paid wizard um, for kind of like vague reasons, but it sounds like they just were like, yeah, we don't really need to do this anymore. <laughs> and also that <laughs> apparently like he said some potentially controversial things. Oh. And so they were like, yeah, let's not have this be a paid city person anymore but yeah and you hate to see that yeah. for somebody with that kind of power yeah <laughs> he might you know turn you into a pig t- yeah like i don't know m- do some spells that are bad i mean you have to be sure? careful around yeah. wizards Wizards so. can do all- they can use their powers for good or evil right as we learned from lord of the rings mm-hmm. and other and other fantasy wizards, stories and other wizard involving stories yeah um so Chanel's life and work are actually the subject of a current exhibit at the ongoing Christchurch Heritage Festival. They have like a, a whole historical exhibit about him. Okay. Um, including these facts. Uh, New Zealand's government calls Chanel notable for reviving the ancient art of rhetoric and says he was most often seen in the square in Christchurch synthesizing the ideas of famous philosophers. What? So I'm like... Wait, did he just, like, go to the square and, like, preach philosophy in a wizard costume? Because that's kind of the picture that that is. Is this being... just, like, a Plato-Aristotle situation <laughs> yeah. where you're just, like, know. wandering around the streets and you come across a wizard spouting nonsense? <laughs> I don't know. Um, he was appointed the official archwizard of Canterbury in 1980. Oh. <laughs> before even this time. So he has a long career in wizardry. He does. <laughs> Um, 
And he was designated a living work of art by the New Zealand Art Gallery Directors Association in 1982. That's really got to go to your head, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh and um, this city is the only city in the world to have had its own official wizard for two decades. And um, also, <laughs> this guy has his own website about him being a wizard. <laughs> Right, that kind of Which, takes uh, that. I don't know. That kind of takes some of the magic out of it, doesn't it? Like, oh, and also go to my website. go to my website www.wizard.com. That's not the website. Yeah, I it kind of does actually a little bit, but yeah. But if you want to know more about him, yeah, you know, I guess you I could do go wanna, look. I do want to find out what like wizard wizardly acts are. So I'm yeah, curious. I didn't really. I actually went to the website, but just the homepage. I didn't mm. really look at anything. It has like a picture of him. It fades into black in the background, and then it makes this like mystical sound. <laughs> wow, it's it's something. I think I need to see this. <laughs> yeah. So um, this this is this is in the news. All right. Well, I hope someday I can become a an official wizard of some place. Yeah, like, I, you know, we should research this. Like, what does it take to become this? Yeah. Can we become, I, can I become the Cleveland wizard? You probably, that's probably within your realm of possibility. Yeah. And I also think we should add this to our titles of note <laughs> list that we haven't added to in a long time, but. I mean, Arch Wizard of Canterbury is pretty powerful. <laughs> I know, like, that. that's pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My first story is health news. This is from The Verge. Scientists took the first steps towards pig-to-human kidney transplants. Whoa! Putting, well, we haven't actually put a kidney inside of it. I'll get to it. Uh, for the first <laughs> time, surgeons successfully attached a kidney from a genetically modified pig to a human patient which is a major scientific breakthrough and one that could open up a new way to provide organs to sick people. So they attached it on the outside, not inside. So that's why this is like the first step. Hmm. Um, But they got the kidney from a pig that was genetically uh, modified so that it wouldn't produce a sugar called alpha-gal. Alpha-gal? I'm just now realizing how silly that (laughs) sounds. Alpha-gal. It's spelled alpha-gal. Alpha-gal. Huh. Which the human immune system attacks and would trigger the body to reject the organ. So they made a pig that doesn't produce this stuff so they could use its organ okay. in, this, in this trial. Surgeons at NYU attached the organ to a brain-dead patient on a ventilator whose family agreed to the experimental procedure. It was connected outside of her body to blood vessels in her leg and observed over a period of 54 hours. Uh, the recipient's body did not reject the kidney, and the kidney seemed to function normally for the hours that it was attached. So there were really no issues. Um, yeah. It's not clear yet if the organ would last over an extended period of time inside the body. Obviously, that's a much different environment. And um, apparently, so apparently, organ rejection can happen over years, even if the donor and the recipient are perfect matches, which I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't know so that either. that's kind of scary. Hmm. Um, so obviously, this would need a lot more trials before they would be confident to say like this is a viable procedure um but uh the kidney used in this procedure was produced by the company uh revivicor which said in april that it hoped to launch clinical trials using its animals organs for transplants within the next year or two um 
Yeah, there's a lot of people who need kidney transplants, and obviously human donors, like, there's a limited supply of that. But if we right. could get this working, could just keep making more pigs. Um, they also mentioned there are some ethical questions, obviously, about, like, breeding pigs just to provide organs for humans. But, like, that's something we have to, I guess, work out and, like, kind of balance, I guess, against... <laughs> I don't know the morals of letting somebody suffer. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, like I don't know if we need to get into the ethical discussion, <laughs> but uh, that could probably be a whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with with the currently accepted ethics of society, we raise pigs to just be to slaughtered and eaten. Yeah. So this seems so this is pretty good because then we probably aren't getting a lot of use out of their kidneys as it is, right? This. It would be equivalent and or a better use of the pig. We'd be using more of the pig. (laughs) Yeah. If they could get this working. And saving lives. Yeah. It just, it seems like, it seems really good. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to worry about, like, human donors in that case. At least for kidneys, obviously. I don't think we could replace every organ with pig organs, but, um, yeah. Yeah, but maybe one day they'll be able to just make completely artificial organs that work, but... That's also true. That's probably a lot more difficult to do. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Growing pigs, we know how to do. We got that. Got that down. But I I think it's cool. I don't know. There's just so many people that need organ transplants all the time that can't get them, and it's really sad. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I think that's anything that goes towards like alleviating that. Yeah. All right. My next story is food news. This is from Reuters.com. The headline is, wake up and smell the sustainable coffee produced in a Finnish lab. Ooh. Yay. Um, <laughs> Finnish scientists say they have produced coffee from cell cultures with an aroma and taste resembling the real thing. Uh. <laughs> the VTT Technical Research Center of Finland may have come up with a more sustainable alternative to growing coffee beans by floating cell cultures in bioreactors filled with a nutrient medium used to make various animal and plant-based products. Um, Mm, Maybe don't describe it (laughs) if you're trying to sell it. Maybe. Maybe don't describe that that sentence. Yeah, okay. (laughs) One of the researchers involved said that the cups of cellular coffee probably could not pass standard taste tests just yet, but have lots of potential. (laughs) I guess that's where the that's resemble my favorite comes part of it. Yeah, yeah, like they're like it resembles coffee. Yeah, like, what, does what does that, that mean? mean? <laughs> what does that mean exactly? You know what else resembles coffee? Bad coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> that is that is true. There's lots of lots of even just real coffee tastes really bad. So I'm like, what right. does this taste like? Um, yeah. So the you know the whole point of this is that this is potentially offering a more sustainable way to make coffee given that because of the high demand of coffee around the world, um, countries that can grow it are devo- uh, devoting you know, larger and larger pieces of land to grow the beans, and it's leading to deforestation. It's just this growing like, issue of, like, we need more. We need more! Right. <laughs> People love their coffee. Right. So, yeah, and I don't see that demand going away anytime soon, so people are looking for more sustainable alternatives, which I support. Just this one seems kind of funny to me. (laughs) I'm just not sure. They're on the way. They're on the way to something that is somewhat coffee. 
Yeah. And they're not quite there yet. They're and not maybe, quite there yet. Maybe you hold off on announcing it until you're a little but closer. Might, I don't know. They, might, they just, they're excited. Yeah. So they just want to get the word out there. they've had too much of this fake coffee. <laughs> it's like, ah, we got to tell the world. My next story is animal news. <laughs> this is from CNN. Tiny crab preserved in 100 million year old amber lived among dinosaurs. Another yeah, it's, it's amber another, preservation. It's another amber story. Yeah. You come here for all your amber news. Uh, scientists <laughs> have found the oldest aquatic animal ever preserved in amber, and it's also the most complete crab fossil ever discovered. Uh, so it's pretty rare to find aquatic animals in amber because that's. Yeah, they're isn't not, that on they're trees? not often in trees. <laughs> <laughs> this makes no sense. Um, okay. But some crabs, like even today, are known to like exist on land and also like climb oh, up that's trees. True. So yeah. they think that's probably what was going on. That here. makes sense. Um, so the oldest crab fossils date back to the Jurassic period, more than two hundred million years ago. Um, but fossils of non-marine crabs are sparse and largely incomplete. And this is a quote from Javier Luke a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Organismic and Evolutionary Biology at Harvard University. Uh, this was in a news release. And he said, The specimen is spectacular. It is one of a kind. It's absolutely complete. It is not missing a single hair on the body, which is remarkable. Um, so I think that's probably how he said that line. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. Yeah. I, I just want to say it's been a while since you've done one of those impressions, <laughs> and I, I just think that one was, it was spot on. Sometimes, sometimes the spirit moves me. Uh, the, the, the Chinese, U.S., and Canadian scientists working on the amber specimen, which originated from northern Myanmar, named the tiny crab uh, Kretapsara anathata, athanata. Never mind. Credipsara Athanata. Okay. I, I messed up the second name the first time. That's fine. <laughs> okay. um, so the name references the Cretaceous period, which is the dinosaur era period during which this crab lived, and Apsara, a spirit of the clouds and waters in South and Southeast Asian mythology, uh, where the spirit, whereas the species name is based on Athanatos, which means immortal in Greek, which is referring to its lifelike preservation in amber. I always like to find out where they come up with these names. I think it's always yeah. fascinating. It is. Um, so appearance-wise, the 100-million-year-old creature resembles crabs of today. Uh, it's only five millimeters long and was likely a baby crab. Um, baby crab. I, just, I like baby crab. Uh, the researchers <laughs> think that uh, Kretopsara was neither a marine crab nor completely land-dwelling. They think it would have lived in freshwater or perhaps brackish water on the forest floor, which would explain... How it ended up in something tree based. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Tiny crab fossil. Cool. Not something you see every day. Um, as as uh, Javier was keen to point out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, tiny crab. Oh. It is very tiny. It's so tiny. Yeah. That's even see, smaller like, a, than I was You can see a expecting. fingernail in there. Like, that's how small it is. Wow. But it's very well preserved. Cool. So very cool. I wonder how much more th- things we'll find in amber I, I don't in the know. coming weeks. We found tardigrades and now yeah. crabs. Like, we got everything in there. Yeah. Like, we're going to find a, a full human at some we're point. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> that may be a while out. 
That might, yeah, but like, you know, humans can climb trees too. Yeah. So and get you never stuck know. in sap. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You never know. Okay, my next story is archaeology news. This is from abcnews.com. The headline is, Israeli scuba diver discovers ancient crusader sword. Ooh. Cool. Ooh. <laughs> an Israeli scuba diver has salvaged an ancient sword off the country's Mediterranean coast that experts say is about 900 years old, likely dating back to the Crusades. Israel's Antiquities Authority said on Monday of this week, the man um, was on a weekend dive in northern Israel when he spotted a whole trove of ancient artifacts that included anchors, pottery, and this sword. The diver was about 150 meters, which is 170 yards, off the coast in five-meter-deep water, which is, you know, that's pretty much just the same as the yards, pretty much. Right. Because yeah. it's a small amount and very yeah. close. So that's like 15 feet. It's like five, Yeah. Okay. So it was pretty shallow, actually. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when, when he found this. <laughs> it was a journey, but we got there. <laughs> we, got there. We, we got to the end. Um, experts say this area provided shelter for ancient ships and is actually home to many archaeological treasures, some dating back 4,000 years. But such discoveries can be elusive because of the constantly shifting sands. <laughs> Which I don't know why, but it's like that. Yeah. That picture in my head just makes me feel like hilarious, like mysterious. It has shifting sands. I don't yeah. know. I mean, if he's finding like ancient treasures only 15 feet deep, like that's. Yeah. It's like, how has like nobody you, found that yet? You yeah, just like know. look in the water. It's like, hey, look at that. Isn't that a sword? <laughs> <laughs> you want to see it? it? It's totally covered in like sand and shells and barnacles oh. and stuff. Oh, but... that's actually kind of cool though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's really neat. He doesn't look so happy. I, I don't know why he doesn't look happy in the picture, but I feel like this guy is like super excited. He just doesn't. He's just not he's portraying just not that on his it, face. Yeah. He's more just like I'm going to look epic. I'm holding this. See, I would be holding it with just like sword. my mouth open, like ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. this? this is so cool. Yeah, that is awesome. So it's pretty cool. My next story is space news. This is from Jalopnik.com, which is normally like a car website, so I don't really know why they're reporting oh, about this, but okay. um, I guess it involves a vehicle. Uh, and the, he- the headline is, Zone Out to the Eerie Sounds of Planet Mars. Um, and a better headline would be, NASA has shared new audio captured by the Perseverance rover. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're that's, talking about. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so Perseverance has been on Mars since February 18th of this year, and since the rover is equipped with two microphones, it has been able to capture hours of audio to send back to Earth. And you can listen to the audio on NASA's website, and I'm in a second I'll play one of them. That was kind of cool. Um, NASA has broken the sounds up into smaller pieces with descriptions of what's happening. There are clips of the Ingenuity helicopter hovering above Mars, Perseverance driving and capturing laser scans of rocks and wind. Lots of, there's a lot of wind. Most of it is I figured wind. that. Um, some of the recordings are teaching scientists about changes in the planet's atmosphere, since sound travels through vibrations in the air, so they can kind of detect these things. Um, from Perseverance's mast, one of the microphones is ideally located for monitoring microturbulence, or minute shifts in the air, and complements the rover's dedicated wind sensors. Um, and the microphone also allows for research on how sound propagates on Mars, 
because the planet's atmosphere is much less dense than Earth's. Earth's. Wow, that's a hard word to say. Earth's. Scientists <laughs> knew higher pitched sounds in particular would be hard to hear. Uh, a few scientists were surprised when the microphone picked up the Ingenuity helicopter's buzzing rotors during its fourth flight uh, uh, from a distance of 262 f- uh, feet. They kind of expected they wouldn't be able to hear it at all because it was a high pitched sound, but they were able to hear it. So that's actually one of the recordings. Hmm. Um, yeah, I want to play one of them because it's, it's kind of spooky. Okay. Um, let's see how this. Sounds over the microphone, though. You get the idea. <laughs> Wait, what? What's what is that supposed to be? I think it's just it driving around and maybe scraping along rocks or something. But it sounds so scary. I know, like it sounds like like something dragging like a rusty metal something. Yeah, it really does. Um, Which maybe that actually is exactly what it is. Yeah, that's that that might be what it is. But yeah, I don't know. There's there's that's like half of that particular sound clip, and there's multiple sound clips on there. There's a couple of little wind. I was gonna play one of those, but they just sound like wind. It's just wind. <laughs> like it's yeah, like we know this is Earth wind. wind. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it sounds so like like barren though. Like I almost feel like you can tell yeah how barren it is. There's, I mean, there's just, just like probably no nothing else making sound except for the rover and the wind. So yeah, yeah, kind of spooky. It is spooky. It's appropriate, appropriately timed for, yeah. uh, for Halloween this year. <laughs> yes. For late October. Ooh. It's almost time for our Halloween episode, by the way. We will be doing that again this year. So yes. get ready. Prepare to be scared Ooh. or at least informed about <laughs> the latest trends in Halloween stuff. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Oink, oink, pig kidneys. (laughs) Ready, set, go! Go! Okay, I found this on CNET.com. The headline is, Fisher Price has made a working... Chatter phone for adults. Oh, what? Like, do, okay, wait, let me show you this picture. You know this thing, this toy phone? Uh-huh. <laughs> they made a version of this that's a real phone. <laughs> it's a real working Bluetooth phone. That's so upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting. I think it's incredible. We've really I don't know if I want to buy one, but it's just like, <laughs> you, you can buy this and use it. It has like a plastic rotary yellow bright yellow rotary does that phone work? thing. It does. <laughs> wow. I guess I'll play with this. It's like okay. Yeah, like this just in today. You can buy this at Best Buy. Um this is a real phone. It's the iconic Fisher Price Chatter Telephone Pool Toy. <laughs> and it has a um a Bluetooth connected handset or you can use you can either like somehow use it through Bluetooth or you can like use this red plastic like toy receiver as like 
the phone. Like, you can talk through that. Okay. Um, it's got a rainbow-colored rotary dial that functions. how you dial is the rotary. Uh-huh. It, <laughs> it has wheels on it, and you can wheel it, and the eyes move around when it wheels. <laughs> and then, and um, it also, um, like, I'm pretty sure you can have it, like, when you click the numbers, it, like, will say the number that you just used, oh, like, on the toy does. So if you, like, dial the number eight, it'll be, like, eight. And then you dial <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's the kid's toy. Who is this for? <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Um, Older millennials that had this toy as a kid and just want to be nostalgic, I guess. I guess. Or like, this could be like a joke gift for somebody. Yeah, it does seem like it would make like a good white elephant gift. Yes, yes, like a white elephant. Yes, this would be like a perfect white (laughs) elephant game gift. Although they do cost $60. Oh, Which maybe is a a lot for a white elephant. Most white elephant budgets. But um, yeah, you can buy it at at Best Buy for $60. Although I did go to the listing on the Best Best Buy website today, and it wasn't currently available. Oh. So either they already sold out, or Mm. they... Something happened? I don't know. Or it's not available yet, Or it's just not available yet. I don't know. Um, It said coming soon, so... Okay. Mm. But it had the price, so... Well, I, I I probably won't get one. <laughs> you don't want me to buy you this for your Christmas gift? <laughs> I'd actually i I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say I'd prefer you didn't. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's the phone pull toy. It's just like such a classic. I, I never had this, but just I just know everyone recognizes everyone, it from our yeah. generation at least. Like it's. It's yeah, such a classic toy that kids have. It's just so funny. Like, mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, yeah. <laughs> now it's real. For now s- it's real for some reason. <laughs> this is from UPI. Bear wanders into house, breaks computer monitor. <laughs> Perfect, but also what? <laughs> what? Why did it go for the computer? That's a good question. Actually, they did not explain. What did that. the computer do to that bear? I. You know, I can't say. Yeah. Um, but it is a while before, a while since I think we've talked about a bear break-in. So That's true. I felt like we were due. Um, so this is an Alberta man. Uh, he captured photos when a bear wandered into his family's home and made a mess of his son's computer. Uh, he said the bear encounter began when his dogs cornered the bear in the family's garage. Oh. So first I was on the side of the bear. <laughs> um, because that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem safe. Or fair, um, but then the, but then the, uh, the so he got his dogs to safety and the bear was gone when he checked the garage. So he assumed it had left, but then he said his son started hearing scratching sounds inside the house. Uh, the bear had climbed in through a window, <gasps> and saw uh, the animal cross the hallway into his son's room. Uh, oh my gosh! They used a bookshelf and some other furniture to create a barricade uh, before reopening the bedroom doors, sort of to like allow it to leave the way that it came in. Um, they said the damage to the house was minimal, but the bear smashed his son's computer monitor and ate some cereal <laughs> that had been left out. So. Wow. Yeah. I just think it's funny that it, like, had the encounter in the garage and was like, nope, going to try this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, or maybe you were thinking, the like, maybe the computer monitor was revenge for the dogs harassing it. Yeah, maybe it was. It was like, oh, your dog's gonna harass me. All right. Okay, I'm gonna mess up your computer I'm now. Go harass your computer. Or maybe they were like storing that? snacks inside of the computer. <laughs> that could also be. <laughs> well, there was cereal, so who knows? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm just like. That's cr- like if you, you're like oh there was a bear in the garage oh it went away okay oh whew. oh we're all good and then you look down the hallway and it's like in Inside your house, house. like what? yeah that does feel like something out of a movie <laughs> like a comedy yeah. just like we thought we got or even like a car- a kid's cartoon it's like we got yeah. rid of the bear oh it's behind oh, it's there fu- yeah it's, like it's, oh, it's behind hat. you it's under your hat yeah, yeah. same idea same idea it's under your hat <laughs> yeah well, I'm glad everybody was okay and yeah everyone's fine except for the cereal and the except for the computer monitor, monitor. yeah. But yeah, but we can replace that. Yes, not us. Then. But yeah, we're we're not going to replace. No, it, no, sorry, <laughs> we're on the side of the bear. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.